0: 18 plus. Still a Be boy from the old to the new, still a B boy Too bold for the school still a Be boy East Coast to the West, B boys worldwide We close to be blessed still a Be boy from the
1: old. To- this week we're heading to the east to talk to a member of the Gangstarved Foundation, a dope MC who's been putting it down for decades. B-Boys, B-Girls, welcome. Crump, Snatcher, how you doing, man? Peace, Chris. How's it going, man? Good. Peace to yeah. the fans out there. So what are some of your first memories of hearing hip-hop?
2: Um, My stepfather, um, when I was younger, um, used to be a DJ. But um, actually prior to that, you know, me being from Massachusetts, but I also lived in New York and Brooklyn. I um, was a child, Brooklyn and Harlem. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a chance um, in the early 80s. Um, to be able to witness hip-hop when it was flourishing at that time in New York City. And then we ended up moving to Massachusetts and um, my mother's uh, husband, my sister's father, was a DJ. And he used to play like uh, different he had the uh, reels. Back then it was Real reels mm-hmm. So he was uh, playing, um, actually, I believe it was UTFO. And uh, once I heard that, uh, I believe the song was called Roxanne, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. That's when I decided I wanted to, you know, you know, take a go at trying to write lyrics and stuff. I believe I was maybe 11 years old at that time. And that's when I, I started writing.
1: So, so, who were some of your first favorite MCs as a kid when you really started getting into hip hop? Who were the one or two MCs that you really gravitated towards?
2: Um, I would say Rakim and Coogee Rap. Those two were my favorites. And then, it, it, you know, as I grew older, it was Nas. You know, you know the hip hop icons, Biggie you know, Wu-Tang Clan and and things of that nature. So, yeah.
1: So you talked about knowing even young that you wanted to do it yourself. When did you finally start writing, start rhyming? About what age? Um, 11
2: years old is when I just really started focusing on writing rhymes. And then um, around 14, I had the courage to start um, going into ciphers and performing at talent shows and and things like that. You know, I, I was getting positive feedback. So, I wanted to, you know, to make a go of it. So I just started writing more and you know, I didn't get a chance to really do my first album until I was in my twenties, maybe twenty twenty-one. But um at eleven is where it all started. How did you come up with the rap name, Crumb Snatching? Oh, it's so funny. Um that was a name my mother and uh, my uncle used to call um the kids that was always in this stuff. Like they used to call us uh, little nappy headed crumb snatchers. So, you know, I thought it was cool. I was like, man, that's such a name right there. You know, that means a kid is mischievous, but, you know, he, he gets what he's, you know, he gets whatever he can get at the particular time. And that was my attitude as far as um in the hip-hop um, genre or the hip-hop field. It was just like, just, you know, go after anything that you can get, you know, at the table. Be, you know, be uh, an iron will. Be adamant you know, right. and, and pick up whatever you can get, man, and build on that there.
1: Now talk about the first time you met Guru. Uh, at what point was it at? How did, you know, you guys connect? Um,
2: I believe it was in d d because I met DJ Premier first. Okay. So DJ Premier, um, through the independent label, MIA Records, that I was signed to at that particular time at Lawrence, um, they had hired Premier to do a remix of one of my songs. And he was unable to do the remix, so he requested for me to come up in person and, uh, and sit down and talk with him at D&D. Um, so at that time, he ended up uh, giving me a beat. We ended up recording Closer to God, and somehow, I guess, grew either heard it or Premier played it from. And I guess he requested to meet me. So the next time I was in New York City, I was recording in the Studio B section of D&D, and Guru walked right in. And, you know, us both being from Massachusetts, like, we hit it off right away. You know, I looked at him like a, a big brother and a father figure. And, you know, since that first moment we met in the studio, man, we were like inseparable. I was always with him um, consistently on tours and like he would um, take me around, introduce me to other artists throughout the industry parties in New York. Um, I learned a lot from, from uh Peru. God rest his soul. He was a really good man.
1: The legendary d d studios, I mean, uh, legendary studios, So then you joined the Gangstar Foundation, the group of MCs that they were putting together. I mean, great lineup of dope MCs. You know, what was that like to be part of such a collective of talented MCs?
2: Um, I mean, it really didn't dawn on me until I had to recollect back how I was so excited to to run home from elementary school to watch MTV Raps. And one of my favorite videos was Do It. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of the gangsta videos, and, and, you know, after a while, it dawned on me just like, man, you were like, you used to run home rushing to watch these guys on MTV raps. Now you're sitting in the studio with them and they are your peers. So, yeah, it was like an overwhelming feeling. I don't want to say like it was a culture shock. I don't want to say like I was starstruck, but mm-hmm. I realized that there was an opportunity and a window for me being around um, these people.
1: So you're featured on the Moment of Truth album, and by this time, Gangstar already had solidified their, you know, place in hip-hop. They were already legends at this point. What was it like when that came out? I mean, kind of the same, similar question to the last time. Did it, like, hit you like, wow, I'm on a Gangstar record?
2: To be quite honest, man, you know, this is, like, a part of my life I'm really not proud of, but when the album did come out, I was incarcerated. So, you know, I actually had went to a prison for a crime. I didn't even commit, to be honest. And then when I came out, I came out on probation and ended up being violated when I had got shot. So I didn't really hear, you know, I was a, when Premier sent me the beat first, I had recorded it. And then, unfortunately, circumstances happened and I went inside. But I, I had an opportunity to call Premier when I was involved. And he's like, "The Source magazine is here inside the studio, and they just awarded you with the hip hop rule. And I couldn't believe it because I'm in sitting here in maximum security prison, and speaking to you know DJ Premier was like huge at this time. He's like working with uh, Biggie and you know Nas and Jay Z, so it really didn't dawn on me until uh, when they because back then you you were able to get magazines inside uh, the facility. So I just heard like everybody shaking tear gates, and I didn't know what was going on. Everyone was screaming. And They were like, "Krum, you just won the Hip Hop Quoteable." Mm-hmm. So you know they passed the magazine up into to myself, and then when I seen it, I was like, "Wow, I can't believe like I'm a part of this album for one, and then I want I win one of the most prestigious prestigious awards you can get as far as that particular time as Hip Hop Quoteable." But I didn't get a chance to really celebrate it or have it sink in. Right. Due to, you know, the environment and the circumstances I was in at that particular time, so.
1: Every time I got my new issue of The Source, I always flipped right to the hip-hop quotables and unsigned hype. I mean, it oh, was yeah. a big deal, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Source was our Bible, you know. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Dave Mays
1: and Benzino. Right. Next time I hear you or remember hearing you, although... I might have my dates backwards. I know the mixtape, the 1119 Rebirth. I remember having that mixtape and loving it. But the Training Day soundtrack is what I want to talk about. Uh, You know, that was a huge soundtrack um, and you were on it and you actually let it off. That song with MOP. Talk about that project. What got you and MOP together and how did you get on the soundtrack? Uh, first,
2: we had the opportunity. It was through a mutual friend, Kevin Mitchell. He knew somebody on Priority Records. So they offered the opportunity. Um, so they had a private screening in a hotel in Manhattan. And I believe it was me, uh, Nelly, the St. Lunatics. I don't think Nelly was there that night, but the St. Lunatics were there. It was quite a few artists, and we were all sitting inside in a private screening. So I remember seeing the part where Denzel was telling Ethan Hawke that it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. And he basically he was saying, you know, to be able to catch these guys, you have to start thinking like that. So I thought it would be um, it would it would be uh, creative to be able to tell it from the other perspective, like from the gangbanger saying the same thing about the offices. So what I did, I just sort of like reversed the rules and wrote that song, you know, catered to that movie. So, um, you know, they ended up picking it you up. Know, and putting it on the uh, the project. Now, MLP, I was already affiliated with MLP through Gangstar. I was, you know, we hung out in the studio all the time. And I I worked with Teflon and, and all those guys over there. Um, but initially we wanted Buster Rhymes on there first. I guess something came up for Buster. And then we was like, well, maybe we can get MLP on there because they have the, you know, the energy, the anthem making uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. And you know, they jumped on on the uh, the song. We were all in the studio together. Had the pleasure to watch them record it. It was awesome, it was really good.
1: Yeah, great track and huge soundtrack. You then did that appearance lead to the initial deal with Interscope that you had, or was that um, before you, that?
2: Um, I believe my Interscope deal was before uh training day. Okay, um, yeah, because uh, the, the Interscope deal that uh I ended up getting signed to, well, we didn't even finish the deal with it. wasn't even dried. And I ended up losing the deal by mm-hmm. parole, uh, parole violation. Um, but Premier was the executive producer. That's how we landed that um, project. And Steve Stout was the one who signed me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Steve Stout, he was the president of uh, Black Music in A.S.C.O.P. Yeah, we they ended up signing me and just like being around the wrong people, man. I just ended up, like I was in a car um, that was reported stolen, but I was only the passenger, I was getting a ride to the store, and unfortunately, I ended up, you know, being violated, and, you know, the pro, the pro officer wasn't even trying to hear that I was on a major record label or anything, he just violated me, and that was the end of the uh, endoscope, you
1: Damn. But eventually, you did get your solo album out, uh, the Respect All Fear None album, kind of seemed like it, you know, you finally got it out, was that you know you talked about you know the jail things and all these other you know things bumps in the road was it like finally i get my solo album out you know what was it like to you know finally get that out to the world oh i thought it was really good because
2: um it was on dnd records so D&D mm-hmm. studios the owners of dnd studios uh created their own label and i was one of the very few artists that they signed um with the you know the co-signing uh, with guru and repair so, you know, they pulled out all stops. They had every producer come through. I mean, Alchemist spent the whole night, you know, even sleeping on the couch with me while we were uh, recording. Easy Moby came by. Um, there were so many producers that came by and contributed to that project. And, and, the, and just for it being on d d you know, it's going to be a part of history, at least hip hop history. So I'm proud overall uh, of being part of that d- uh, D&D legacy.
1: One thing I like to ask all my guests is show memories. Do you have any one or two crazy show memories where something just crazy happened at a live show?
2: Oh man, there's so you know so many uh, stories, man. Uh, coming up, you know, especially in in the Massachusetts area, Boston area, it's really rough. You know, I don't want to say jealousy, but there's like crabs in the barrel and you know, things take off at shows sometimes. Um, but I prefer to probably think of something good it shows. I, c- I can't recollect right now. Um, That's fine. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Well, this is kind of the bad stuff, too. But I wanted to touch on uh, Guru passing away. Uh, when did you hear about it? Um, and also, what do you think his legacy is in hip hop history? Um, I had took a hiatus
2: um, from hip hop and I was working at a martial arts school um, as an assistant um, instructor and a, uh, not a counselor but a assistant instructor and guide. Mm-hmm. So I used to pick the children up after school, help them with homework, assist in the classes, and then take them home. I was doing that for like six years. So I was pretty much off the scene when he was um, with the Solar um, with Solar. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up hearing on the radio first. I couldn't believe it. And then he, like, some of the DJs that I knew, people were contacting me, you know, like, you know, Guru just passed away. And it's so crazy because I had just spoken to him on Facebook. Um, maybe it wasn't even too long, maybe a month or two prior, you know, checking in on him and seeing how he was doing because, you know, he sort of, like, stepped away from everyone uh, when he was dealing with solo. I guess he had a different um, vision of goal as far as where he wanted to go right. with his solo career. Um, as far as his legacy goes, I think he'll, he'll be remembered as a pioneer, definitely a pioneer. Um, the signature sounds that Premier had brought into hip hop, grooves, monotone voice, and just like a lot of the songs he had, it's very wisdom drenched. He's you know he has his street records, but he has some records that are really profound where he says some very um, self-reflective things. Like moment of truth, he really says some some really self-reflective things or mm-hmm. uh, things that maybe uh, that would make people really contemplate on their own situations and sort of see how he dealt with it. Maybe apply that to your life if it, if it helps. Um, throughout all the years, um, I believe he's made classics. And uh, you know, I for me, I think he's a pioneer. I think Premier is like a living pioneer. right? So, you know, his legacy uh, will continue and I'm pretty sure is gonna keep pushing it from my angle. You know, I always give, pay homage to them as the ones who who ushered me into into hip-hop. Right. Yeah. Big recipes to Guru. Like
1: you said, a legend. Uh, What do you think about the current state of hip-hop?
2: First thing I would say, the current state of hip-hop is reflecting the current state of mind. So this is what's going on in these communities with with these men and these, you know, these kids, as far as what they're saying in hip-hop. You know, hip-hop started as a rebellious voice you know, in certain communities. So it was a voice of outreach and outspeak. But now, I just see it seems to, they seem to glorify more of the street life, fast money. And it's starting to take a toll on these artists because I've never in my life have I seen this many hip-hop musicians get murdered. Right. It's like every week. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, with Biggie, everybody was, oh, with Tupac, you know, people were surprised. Now it's like every week. A new entertainer is getting murdered. So, I mean, they have to do some policing um, and, and really, like, holding some of these souls back and really seeing what the problem is and where this is going wrong. Because now, it's either the music is affecting the life or the life is affecting the music. It's either or, but it's, you know, but it's it, it's it's affecting, uh, it's affecting these artists. Mm-hmm. Whether it's their lifestyle that's street and they bring it into the music or whether, you know, they rap about street music and it filters into their life. So, you know, we need an, uh, I, I a, I want to say a balance. But, you know, there has to be another side where people who are, are, are bringing a message pretty much on the same platform and get the same promotion and the same push and the same attention. Right now, it just seems that only these guys can get glorified in
1: the industry. So, the last thing I want to ask you is just a little thing I do. I'm going to name an MC. You just tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say their name. Okay. J. Roo the Damager.
2: I'll say Kung Fu Hip Hop. Yeah, I like, I like his videos, man. He's so. What about Ice T? Legend. Big Shug? Big Shug. I would say founder. Uh, let me see. I would say a legend as, as well.
1: Legend. M O P. Energy. That's a good hip-hop one. Hip hop. Energy. Raz Kaz.
2: Lyricism. Exhibit. Raspy. For his voice.
1: Right, definitely. What about Freddie Fox, Bumpy Knuckles, whatever you want to know him as? Bully. Bully <laughs> hip-hop. <laughs> I always thought. I could just picture him, like, coming through the speaker and punching you in the face. Yeah, believer, right? that's Fox. <laughs> I was on tour with him
2: in Canada uh, with Guru uh, God rest his soul. It was me, Guru. Well, Guru, me, Freddie Fox. I believe. I can't remember the other artists. But we toured throughout Canada together. It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. It was a good good time. A couple more. How
1: about Buckshot?
2: I want to say lyricism, but I already used that. I would say uh, Delivery. Delivery. His style.
1: What about Eminem?
2: How can you explain Eminem? I want you know I want to say lyrics. I would just say monster rap. He's a monster lyricist.
1: Sean Price.
2: Wittiness, lyricism.
1: And I'll end it with the producer Pete Rock.
2: Oh man, Pete Rock,
1: legendary, historic store he's up there with primo with one of the best oh, yeah. to ever produce
2: oh yeah definitely
1: so that's what i got if you want to plug your pluggables tell everyone where they can find you on social media anything you have coming out
2: um you can catch me at um at crumb snatcher seven on instagram um you can catch, check out my artist page on facebook we have um my personal page is Demetrius Lamont Monk. If you ever want to reach me, you know, and speak to me personally on Messenger. Um, then we have our Mind Power Entertainment websites, which is my my own personal independent label that I created. And uh the albums, I like to plug the albums. I just did a Christian album called Saint Judah. Um that just came out with a Brazilian producer. And I have a reggae album coming out called Iron Lion of Zion which is like a tribute to Bob Marley who had the similar title. And, you know, it's just me, you know, um, working on, on different reggae sounds and stuff.
1: Well, I appreciate you taking the time. It means a lot to me. I love talking to the artists that I listened to back in the day. No problem, Chris. Have All a good night, brother. Peace. Peace.
0: Now it's bulletproof, it's getting wild. Cause style 80 boot forget the bubble goose. Past the OE brew And let me reminisce of hip-hop and the things we used to do. I used to put the impositions on top of a cardboard. Pop it and break it and get it open like a card door. She's been on rap tours for months, licking and blunts, doing raps, holding gaps, and rocking gold fronts. Before that, rapping the Vicky Secret and Martinis, we was giving ourselves nicknames of graffiti. Now it's Tahiti, hotels. Shoes. Now you're rocking silk pastels I can't tell if my ending's near or far Now you drive expensive cars, hang with A&R's Left me and go to rap about your bankroll Your foe, night after night after you do a pack rat show I don't know why you don't come around How it sound, you hang with cowboys and need no round. I miss you, but now you hold the pistol Put it down, come here, from snatch I wanna kiss you I miss hip-hop, hip-hop. where can she be, can't you see if I belong right here this hip hop, Yo, where can she be? Can't you see him hop along right here with me? Night after night, I cry to sleep here in the end. I called the Zulu Nation to help look for this lost friend. I went all around and asked everyone this rumor. She's seeing some god named KRS1. I'm lost, son. I hope hip-hop can hear. Without her, there's no need for me to be here. We used to rock the radio shack tables it was simplistic but now you're materialistic got to have the techniques the midi the sampler through the beat machine and keyboards inside the hamper having temper tantrums all on stage just to get paid you're getting arrested put on the front page never in my life i thought you act like I have for this long time mistress. I reminisce in the basement with her for hours And after verbal intercourse I take a long shower With all of this sudden, You don't want to see me Unsatisfied with 12 inches and got a CD Can't it be her goddess listening to this Cause all I want is hip hop back with me for Christmas I miss this special part of my life And when I see her again I'm making sure she's my wife I, I miss hip hop Yo where hip-hop. can she be Can't you see him pop along right here Hip hop, yo, where can she be? Can't you see him hop along right here with me? I miss hip hop, yo, where can she be? Can't you see him hop along right here with me? I miss hip hop, yo, where can she be? Can't you see him hop along right here with me? You to the left and the right, y'all. Everybody represent this shit right, y'all. All the breakers gotta hit the dance.